Welcome back to Beyond the Scope. I am your host, David Tolman, an entrepreneur and biomedical engineer in the digital pathology space. My co-host is Giovanni Lujan, a pathologist and associate director of digital and computational pathology at The Ohio State University. This is a very special episode that we recorded live from DPA Visions Conference in Las Vegas. And this topic is an introduction to CPT coding, along with the current relevant updates related to the emerging codes for digital pathology. We are joined by John Miles, who has the day job of a pathologist at the Cleveland Clinic. But most importantly, Dr. Miles is a cap governor and chair of the Council on Government and Professional Affairs. Translation, he is one of the main drivers for adoption and evaluation of the new digital pathology CPT codes. This episode is moderated by Giovanni and one of our previous guests, Joe Sarinchapan from Memorial Sloan Kettering. And towards the end, we also feature another previous guest, Michael Rivers from Roche, who provides an industry perspective on the new digital pathology CPT codes. Beyond the Scope is brought to you by the Digital Pathology Association. You can visit www.digitalpathologyassociation.org for resources related to education, conferences, member benefits, and all other great things to get connected in the digital pathology world. Special thanks to my co-host Giovanni Lujan and Abby Norris, for their help in the planning and production of this podcast. This is the highest demanded topic our show has ever had. So without further ado, here we go with Dr. Miles, Joe, Mike, and Giovanni. Let's start with a little workflow chart. Uh, Dr. Miles, how are CPT codes created? Who's responsible for the creation and what's the approval process? In other words, how does a CPT code come to be? Thank you. And uh, certainly a pleasure to be with here, um, everybody today. The thing about CPT, it's the first step in being able to be paid for the services that we provide to patients. What CPT does is it describes the work that we do. Once you dis- once you have a descriptor of the work we do, then you move on to the next step as to what payment is. The thing about CPT is anybody can initiate a CPT code. The applications are online. Typically, they're done by the large national organizations, but individuals can request a CPT code, individual laboratories can request a CPT code and manufacturers can uh, request a CPT code and, and, and all those uh, aforementioned folks uh, do. Once the CPT code proposal is received, um, the application uh, is reviewed by the advisory panel of the uh, CPT where they will comment on the application, on the evidence, um, as to there may be a better way to code for the service than has been uh, provided. Also, there'll be a question as to whether an existing CPT code could be used instead. Ultimately, the decision is made by the CPT editorial panel. 
and there is a public meeting um, prior to voting uh, the, where the editorial panel votes, where interested stakeholders can uh, come to the mic and uh, comment on the proposal. Typically, the proposal is made actually at the formal meeting and presented by the individual or stakeholder who filled out the application. Interesting. So now we have a list of CPT goals that have been presented to the pathology community as category three. Can you go through yeah. what does category three mean? What are the implications? Are we getting money for those codes? So um, category three codes are new to many folks in pathology, but they've actually been around CPT for a long time. Uh, most of our members, when they think of CPT codes, they think of category one codes where you codify for a service and you get paid, <laughs> you get paid for it. With the category three codes, they're specifically designed for new and emerging technologies. And they're primarily used for tracking technologies uh, to demonstrate the uh, uh, widespread use of the, of the, uh, technology or service, which um, is useful information when you try to advocate uh, that the code should be advanced to a, a category one. Excellent. Now, the other thing you mentioned, payment. Typically, the category three codes, they're not paid codes. There are some exceptions. Some individual uh, Medicare contractors um, may pay for the code if approached uh, by um, an individual or entity that's using the code. It's the same thing with the private insurers. But typically, the codes are not valued and not paid for it because there's no RVU associated with them. Now, with time, the Category 3 codes can uh, be uh, moved into a Category 1 status. And category three codes are temporary codes that they only exist for five years. After five years, the CPT editorial panel, um, they can decide to sunset the code, remove the code, um, or, um, or, um, uh, or do something else. But I can tell you that we at CAP are not planning to wait five years mm. before we advance make a proposal to advance the codes to a category one status. Um, Great to know, I was, yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the codes can only be start used January 1st. So after a year, we'll have an idea as to how widespread the, the code use is. And then at that time, reassess what information uh, we have, decide, you know, what the next step would be. But it, we, we can't say, because we don't have the data yet. What I can say is for anybody that is using digital pathology to make a diagnosis um, that you need to be using these codes and that will help us establish the widespread use of the codes. It's important to note, and CPT talks about this in, the, in, in their book, that if you're just using the codes for archival purposes, using them for conferences, using them just for education, 
you cannot um, use the digital path codes for that service. You have to be using them uh, for the diagnosis that's indicated in the CPT uh, CPT book. You need to enter just one CPT per per yeah. case or one CPT per slide. Yeah. So what we do is we have um, thirteen codes that were approved by the editorial panel. Again, it's the first step. It's not believed to be the end all. We anticipate that there will be other pathology services that will have additional um, add-on codes. But at present, we have only 13 codes approved. And um, in the CPT um, manual, it will list what add-on code you use with what code. So for example, there's a different add-on code for the 88305 compared to the 88342. Uh -huh. And we want to get a get a handle on what types of technologies out there are using the um, digital pathology, because we, we don't think it's just for H&E surgical path. We think sure. a lot of our a lot of pathologists, I think, are using these codes for special stains Absolutely. Uh, remotely and immunohistochemistry. So we want to see the spectrum. Once we have that data, we can make the decision as to what the best way to be moved forward with a category one proposed. Consults? The the eight eight three two one um is the is the consultation on referred material from elsewhere. There's not a code at present uh, for that. That's not okay. to say there won't be in the future. But the again, this proposal that got approved by CPT, it's not the end proposal, it's the beginning. Sure. And Understand. Uh, we started with some of our most widely used codes um, in the anatomic pathology to community to start with. Great. I think that's a good good summary. Let me ask one last question, and then I'm going to let Dr. Serinsapon in New York and Mike here with me to continue. My last question is, in your experience, Dr. Miles, can you give us an idea of what the timeline could be? since January 1st, where we started using these codes, when when we can expect something to happen six months from there, a year, and what comes next? I know this is a little bit of guessing, yeah. but based on your experience, what do yeah. you think? I, I think that it's variable. The great advantage that we have in digital pathology is there's a lot of literature out there that the technology is being used successfully. So we don't. I don't think that we have a literature problem um the thing is we need you know like i say the cpt category three codes they're good for five years i can tell you i don't think it's going to take five years okay let's hope not uh, yeah it, I, I don't think but, um i think six months is too short because we won't have any data till next year okay. so in 2024 uh um We'll look what's available in, in terms of the database and make a decision at that point as to what our uh, next steps are. And the other thing is, I, I can tell you that we're um, looking at other strategies to uh, demonstrate widespread use other than just other than just you know the category three CPT codes. Mm. Excellent, uh, Dr. Siritapun. Uh, Questions for Dr. Miles. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for actually doing this. I think uh, the community is going to really, really find this very helpful. So um, and thanks for the um, the intro questions. I think it sets a really great background. Um, I had 
probably some advanced questions, if you don't mind. And this actually probably deals with some of those folks, including my institution, um, OSU, everybody else who's trying to do that right now to get it ready for January. I suspect everybody's kind of going through this. But before I kind of go into that, um, for the 88321s, the consultation outside read codes, um, was that going to be on the roadmap to propose that for maybe that next year? I just wanted to follow up on that question. It was uh, post to you or, you know, I just wanted to, that, that affects institutions like mine that do a lot of the scans for outside reads. Yeah, I, I can't give you a, a timeline at present um, as to um, when that specific code would have an add-on because remember, it, it's just not the, it's, it's not just proposing it. It's also getting the editorial panel to approve it. The other thing, a lot of things that can happen. Um, let's say that after uh, 2023 and 2024, we have enough data where we move ahead with category one. You know, it, the category one proposal doesn't have to be exactly the category three proposal. Mm. So um, the, the eight, we've heard from several folks today about their concern about the 88321. We certainly um, take that back to the Economic Affairs Committee uh, for their consideration as they, um, you know, solidify the next actual steps that will be done. Yeah, thank, thanks for that. So uh, that was a quick um, um, slip in in terms of questions, but the, some of the, the big ones. So, um, yeah, I, I think the desire is for everybody to try to find as much automation to code these as possible. Um, you know, for some places that do a lot of scanning, that's a little bit easier because almost in every specimen, you know, you could sort of automatically tie in the billing code. But for a lot of places, it might be a manual process and there's not really a great way to really automate that. And it might require pathologists to assign the codes like after they sign up the case. So you can see, I mean, I can see a scenario which I think other people brought up too. What if you miscode, for instance? What What is, are there any penalties? Being category three, I would assume, you know, this is really for documentation, but let's say you forget to code something, even though you did digitally, that's technically under billing, but this is not really a billing code per se. So I, I was wondering if you had any opinions on kind of over coding, under coding, that sort of thing. Well, I think that any type of coding is subject to audit. Um, I agree with you that since there is no payment uh, associated with these codes, the, the relative risk here is, is, is minimal. But we as in the pathology community wants to code this accurately because we want to be able to demonstrate the widespread use. So even though there's no payment, you still want to capture the service. Um, I can tell you that you have to use the codes for, uh, you know, for making a diagnosis. If we're using them for tumor boards, for archival uh, databases that are used in AI algorithms and, and for research and that type of thing, you shouldn't be coding for that. Um, so we, we wanna get it right. I think that um, coding is complex. It would be nice if you could automate it, um, but if you do set any type of automated process up, depending on your particular instance, it's important to audit to make sure that the co that the cases you think are being coded the way you are, uh, uh, in fact, are being done. Because the, the worst thing we want is to have 
to present bad data to CPT. And uh, then as for whatever instance, it finds that people were not coding uh, appropriately, that'll hurt the advancement of digital pathology. Yeah. Yeah, I just appreciate that answer. Uh, maybe along the same lines too. Um, and this happens at you know our institution too. That um, um, you know, I for instance, for example, for whole mount slides for prostate prostatectomies, we haven't perfected our scanner. I think maybe OSU might might have has done it better, but you know, but you scan everything else for a prostatectomy, so that would be an eight eight three zero nine. Um, can you still put a digital code down for that? Because you've scanned a lot of the slides, but not all of them. What happens in a situation like that? Yeah, you can't you can't use the code because okay. you didn't, you're not using the digital to make the diagnosis. You're still using glass. You have to be using the digital for the diagnosis. Gotcha, for everything. Okay. Yeah. That, that was a question that I had before. So that's that's simple enough. Okay. You you bring up the point about the resources required to scan an eight eight three oh nine. That's one of the reasons why we have a separate code for the 88309 compared to the 88305, because as the codes advance to category one, there's more resources required for the 88309 to scan and tech time compared to the 88305. So we want to make sure that when compensation is received, that it's appropriate for that additional resources and doing an 88309 than just an 88305. Because again, I, I can tell you, we at CAP, we want to get this right because our members use digital path. Um, the technology um, has many advantages, which, which uh, many folks in this space are aware of. But unless if we get adequately reimbursed and compensated for the cost associated with it, that's going to limit the, the, the how fast the technology is adapted. I have a, I have something that I would like to add in there, uh, if you allow me. This is about it's the same. Uh, it's about prostates too. At OSU, we use two scanners for prostate. We use a regular scanner to scan all the slides, and then we use a, a whole mount scanner to to go through through selected pieces, and that's the way the workflow is designed at least for one of our pathologists. How I was assuming this is just going to be one code, right? Digital. Yeah. The way it's set up, it's one code. Yeah. Will that be something that we may look into later? Like two scans were used, more technology, more time, more? We can always look into it. I think what will happen is that let's say that the 88309, let's just say for the sake of discussion, it would advance to um, a category one add-on. So at that point, what would be determined is what is the typical practice. So whatever the typical practice is would be incorporated, it would be would be the value that's used, recognizing that some cases would use less resources and some cases would use more resources. The other thing as the other scenario, and we're a ways off for, for this, but let's just say that digital pathology became typical, okay? What would happen at that point is that the 88305 would include in its value the resources necessary for, for the digital technology. But see that we're not at that point yet. That's why we had to go with this add-on route. Understand. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see if, if uh, Mike here in the 
Inor Studio has something to add for me, a private industry perspective. Yeah. Um, so first of all, thank you for the opportunity to join uh, this this great panel uh, here today. I, I want to commend Dr. Miles for for taking a really uh, complicated process and uh, demystifying a number of acronyms uh, for me today, both in this conversation. And I would also um, suggest to the listeners, uh, if, if you're DPA members, if you're not, you should be. But if you are, you can access the uh, the great presentation that Dr. Miles just gave at uh, Pathvisions here um, just a few minutes ago that goes into even more depth uh, there. It's, it's really a nice overview um, of the process. Yeah, I, I think both from the industry perspective and then also just from the DPA, um, having the uh, the honor to, to kind of chair our reimbursement uh, task force. And I've, I've talked you uh, <laughs> into joining me as a co-chair there, which is which is awesome. So we're we're bringing you into that. Um, honored and yeah. ready to do it. But it, it's you know, it's it's really important. I, I think, um, as as you noted, there have been great strides in digital pathology adoption over the last uh, several years. I think the pandemic in particular has been a catalyst for this and has focused a lot of energy and and interest um, across labs. So so the momentum is there. This yeah. is happening. But I do think it's critical that we that we value this appropriately. And this seems like a great yeah. first step. I, I can tell you, you know, I'm a, I'm just a regular pathologist in my day to day work. I use digital path. And I can tell you the technology over the past 10 years, yeah. it has advanced so much. It makes it so easy mm. for the individual pathologist to employ this technology in the day-to-day -day practice. It really, it's it's night and day, the, yeah. the, these systems that are out there now. They're much, much better than even five years ago. Sure. So, I, no, I think you're yeah. right. I, the technology has matured. Yeah. The value is, is, is there. I think... You know, for me as well, and I think for our community, because a lot of the input we get is around AI. And and so, you know, at least one way that I'm kind of seeing this is a, is a first step, um, a foundational element, if you will, to begin really assessing digital pathology use and and begin kind of laying the groundwork for, for reimbursement. Is that the right way to look at it um, as we consider then, you know, more kind of advanced use cases uh, in the AI realm? You know, did... Digital path digitization is the foundation of, of a lot of the stuff in um, AP in terms of AI. So yeah, it's the first step. It's a, it's yeah. a necessary first step. Um, and this is gonna be a part of our practice, okay? Um, our job as pathologists is to facilitate um, the integration of this technology to our practices um, so we can provide better patient care to our patients because the thing is, in the end, remember, it is all about the patient. That's the end game. One last, last add-on before going back to Dr. Selintra there. He seems ready to for another question. Oh, maybe I don't know how much time we have, but I just had one last big one what for maybe the community. 12.30. We got five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Quick question. What is the, do you see a role of the industry in helping or partnering with us to make this CPT calls adoption process more efficient, faster? Well, I, I think that there's no question that industry has a role. Um, each code and technology is considered on an individual basis. So if you have, uh, and I'm gonna speak generically here, let's say you have a, a manufacturer that has a process 
that is used in individual pathology laboratories. And let's just say for this particular process that there's physician work associated with it. So there would be a PC and a TC. So certainly in formulating the inputs for that TC, um, industry uh, provides a um, you know valuable resource into in, in, into uh, assisting and formulating those inputs. The other thing is that industry has is industry knows who uses the technology. Um, you know, on a national level, we don't know um, exactly the names of people that use the technology, and you need subject matter experts. Um, to assist in helping explain the nuts and bolts um, of the technology and how it's used in medical practice. So, yeah, we consider uh, industry to be a stakeholder in the process and have engaged with industry in the past and will continue to do so in the future. So we have, that's, that's our, our, our uh, roadmap there. Yeah, absolutely important. And I, you know, I would say too, um, you know, industry is making significant investments. Those investments continue to be made. We believe very strongly, I'll speak for myself now, we certainly believe very strongly that pathology will be digitized and, and digital. This transformation is in process and it's it's coming. Uh, those investments need to be made, but, but certainly understanding the whole kind of value uh, system and how ultimately uh, that value is captured is important to, to sustain um, the innovation and the investment Great. in the space. Dr. Shirin-Sapun, one last question. Last question. And it's really more of a pitch. And Dr. Miles, I was hoping that uh, not to put you on a spot in this, but, you know, the community here not only includes early adopters, you know, like, you know, that do the full digital, but what message do you have for all of those that are entering this digital journey or even considering it to encourage them to code? Because it is, it is a, it's a big effort to try to get everything. I hear stories about people's implementation. We haven't had a chance to, among all the institutions to talk about it. But, you know, just the incentive, you know, what's in it for the folks that are considering this? Um, I think all of us here know it, but what would be your message and pitch to all of them? Well, I, the, the message is um, we all want to get paid for our services because we, there's an increased cost with digital. It's being used in our uh, clinical practices. Um, to do that, we need the category one code. So if you're using it, we need to be able to demonstrate the widespread use of the technology category three uh, coding, the actual category three code, if you're using it and meet the requirements to use the code, you should do it. Um, and it's a first step, but it's, it's, a, it's a necessary step. It's in everybody's interest Absolutely. to code for the service that you're using. Yeah. It takes the power of the village, basically, to make this happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been very, very productive, very informative, Dr. Thank Miles. You. We thank you so much for spending this time with us, thank with you. our community. Thank and you. we hope to have you back soon, probably a uh, more extended period of time. We'll collect questions from our uh, audience, from the society, and try to kind of be, uh, to ask more, more uh, directed questions about next steps and all the implications and everything. But for now, Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank Enjoyed you, Mike. It. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sirin Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to my co-host and producer.